0: The Start On Demand. demand.
1: Some Winnipeggers are stranded in Kelowna after low-cost airline Swoop cancelled their flight on Monday. Some people had to pay hundreds of dollars to get home on other airlines. Some of them, if they want to wait it out, could wait up to 11 days for another flight on Swoop. The Manitoba Green Party is proposing a 20% tax on sugar-sweetened drinks. We spoke to someone who says it's a bad idea. And you'll hear from a mom on the subject of mental health. And you'll hear from a Winnipeg mom on the subject of psychiatric beds and the shortage of psychiatrists as she struggles to find steady care for her daughter. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Loren McNabb and a vacationing Greg Mackling. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, August 28th podcast. For the start. A travel nightmare that has some swoop passengers stuck in BC as they try to get back home to Winnipeg. Got an email yesterday afternoon, CJOB News at CJOB.com from Emily Ray who explained their flight from Kelowna to Winnipeg was cancelled, stranding them in BC for quite a while. Emily Ray and one of her travel companions, Pat Ward, spoke to the news with Richard Cloutier and Tristan Field-Jones yesterday at 4.07. Pat sets up what happened on Monday.
2: What happened was everyone went down to the airport yesterday to find out that a truck hit one of the propellers uh, of the plane that they were supposed to take out and that there was going to be some delays, um, and then they eventually found out that the swoop of flight was going to be cancelled completely, possibly till Wednesday because they were going yep. to get a chartered flight for everyone. So then we're, everybody comes back, you know, to our home here, and we're all sitting around, and it was about 11 or 11.30. 11 11 everyone starts getting texts saying, your flight out is now. somewhere September 2nd. <laughs> September 4th and September 6th. Ridiculous. 11 days, you know what I mean? That you're going to stay in Kelowna and not get home and get back to your jobs.
3: Yep. And all the rest of it.
1: So they were there for a wedding, not an extended stay. So Emily explains, what's the plan?
3: We were scrambling last night. Um, I was at the point where I thought, you know, should I call my friends in Alberta? Like, should I try and drive home? Like, what, what are our options? Because... At this point, I mean, eleven days is—it's too long. It's ridiculous.
4: So, if this is you, you're thinking, "What is the airline saying?" Here's what they had to say about. Swoop, about-
3: <laughs> Swoop sent us um, uh, a courtesy apology, saying, "Oh, our sincerest apologies," which was basically a slap in the face today at eleven. Um, and yeah, they—they were—it was—it was, it was not—it was not good at all. It was a really. Um, tumultuous conversation on the phone with them for two hours this morning, and
0: and what did they you know, say? I
3: think, oh, they 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 basically, you guys are going to be paying uh, for the flight that we're going to give you, and on top of that, um, I spoke to some of my family
2: members that are actually getting out today, and they are paying an extra. to get home that Swoop is now saying they're not responsible for.
4: Okay, so they apologize, but the next question is, did Swoop cover any of their expenses?
2: Actually, I think they paid one night uh, for a hotel. My sister-in-law is here with my mother-in-law, who's 93. They put them up at the hotel um, uh, for one night, And then they they're they're out. They were going to be leaving September 6th. They were one of the two that got a September 6th. She went to they're actually getting out, but again having to pay more money to get out. And what happened is uh, she went to renew like down at the lobby today. And swoop is not covering. They only did one night of the room. They're not covering today for them to you know sleep overnight today and leave tomorrow. So. Swoop basically covered one night for accommodations. They actually didn't even know how to give out vouchers for taxis. No. They didn't know how to set up hotels. Like, they, it was like, it was like dealing with like babies.
3: Yeah, I I honestly, I wish that you guys could see this now, but they, when we were standing in line at um, the desk, which was hours for people, hours, they gave us these small. Uh, propeller toys in the lineup. Did
0: like I give as you give you a it, little truck as well, so you could drive into the propeller, so the propeller would fall I mean, off?
3: That would, have, that would have helped at the time, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, it it's
2: and, just beyond ridiculous. You know what I mean? It was a it was a beautiful event. Everyone was you know on such a high, and now everyone is just like super stressed. And and let me add this: when everyone started getting their text messages at 11 o'clock at night last night. There was, like, Swoop was closed, so you couldn't even call them to discuss it until this morning at 8 o'clock.
1: It was a full flight. Over 100 people left stranded with no hope of being reimbursed for an alternative flight through WestJet, even though Swoop is a low-cost airline that is owned by WestJet. So Swoop did issue a statement yesterday, Loren to CJOB.
4: Here's how it read. Swoop can confirm there was unscheduled maintenance to one of our aircraft, resulting in ongoing impacts to the network until maintenance is completed. For a list of any impacted flights, visit our website. Safety is our number one priority and will always be at the forefront of our decision-making. We apologize for the inconvenience of our impacted travelers. Swoop has all our available resources working to get our travelers to their destinations as quickly and safely as possible. Thank you for your patience.
1: I love how they put that unscheduled maintenance.
4: Unscheduled. Again, this makes my blood boil. This isn't a weather... This isn't a storm that came through. This isn't a passenger that delayed things. This isn't a flight that delayed things. This isn't a, you know, airport issue. This is your plane's problem. Yeah, your plane, not the passengers. Your plane.
1: One final thought from Emily Ray and Pat Ward as they try to get back to Winnipeg. What's the message to swoop? <laughs>
2: Oh, I don't think you want to hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would say, you know what, don't, don't, I, I, and and I guess I'm questioning, like, this is like a, a, um, a, a government-approved airline in Canada that, you know, is not offering a service that they, you know, and everything that you're saying there in their comments, unfortunately, is not actually happening right now. So I would say don't fly swoop. <laughs> yeah,
3: Don't.
1: I also know someone who was affected by this too. I saw it on her Instagram story. She said, when fly swoop at fly swoop ruins your life for two days was supposed to be home 22 hours ago, flight rescheduled for nine days from now had to book with Air Canada to get home. Nine hours in an airport. Two hours on hold. Twenty-four hours. I was supposed to arrive home. I'm finally on a plane home. Thirty-two hours. Thirty-two later. hours.
4: I mean, that's. I guess that's good compared to eleven days. By yeah. the way, one of my favorite tweets last night was someone saying you can walk from Kelowna <laughs> to Winnipeg in eighteen days, which is almost as quick as what they were offering. But this this comes down to the question that we're going to have for our airline advocate, our airline passenger advocate, after eight is what am I supposed to do in this situation? Is this not the airline's fault? There's, It's one thing to have the passengers book on a low-cost carrier, and you know there's risk with that in terms of, yep, yeah, they're going oh, to charge extra for your baggage, extra for your food, extra for your cup of coffee, extra for the seatbelt. <laughs> you know, there might be extras involved, <laughs> but when they have unscheduled, and I'm using that in air quotes, maintenance, that's my problem.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating. It is so frustrating. And I understand that when there is a problem with a plane, what can you do? It's not like they can just go into the back. Oh, I'll just go into the back and grab another one.
4: But again, that's part If you own a company like a taxi company, plane company, anything that has machinery that I use, rent, get inside of. I'm not responsible for that maintenance. That's not on me. That's not why my ticket is, my ticket's paying to get me there. You're supposed to get me there in a timely fashion. You're responsible for everything that happens if that doesn't occur. (laughs) Gabor Lucas, who's a Canadian air passenger rights advocate. And I know for you, Gabor, good morning. Uh, Surprise on this one, or is this what we're come to expect?
5: Good morning, Um, This is a truly egregious case of the airline not complying with its own obligations. In this case, the obligations of of the airline is set out in SWOOP's own terms and conditions called tariff, which is legally binding. Under Rule 90, uh, Sub-C, Sub-2, Sub-C, I believe, on page 60 of the domestic tariff, it clearly states that SWOOP was required to passengers on flights of other airlines. So Zoom cannot just say that uh, putting people on their own flights in 11 days is the only offer they provide. That's completely unacceptable and unreasonable.
4: Is there room there for them to say it's acceptable because it's not, is it specific in any of the legislation or the requirements that it be within a certain time frame?
5: 11 days is not reasonable by any of imagination. This is, this is outside of what is normal.
1: Could it also have to do with the circumstances that surrounded the cancellation because it was nope. not weather related? It, it was this truck it that it hit the plane.
5: It, it's very clear that when a plane breaks down, it is the airline's responsibility. It's something we have control. control. Um, and uh, they, they have to rebook passengers in the space and classify the airlines, and they clearly failed to do that. So, what well, I suggest passengers in this situation is either get a plane home and or early and then make SUP pay for it if they have not already done so, or now if they are listening, get a plane home and, and, and make suit pay for it, but not just for the plane, also for uh, the um, accommodations, for meals, for parking, for uh, uh, loss to wages. And on top of it, I would seek $1,000 in punitive damages in place of each passenger if I were in their shoes. Because what happened here, Uh, Offering people flights in in 11 days is a complete disregard of the passengers' rights of their legitimate interest. It's really a failure of Sue to perform the contract in good faith
4: you know, it cost some of these passengers. So they booked a flight to this wedding or for whatever reason they were in Kelowna. And then because Swoop wouldn't get them on another flight, many paid $750 to catch other flights in order to come back to Winnipeg for work or, of course, other commitments. So obviously that cheaper flight that they had originally gone after cost them way more in the end. But that's got some of our listeners asking, Gabor, you know, this one just wrote now. You get what you pay for. Being cheap has consequences. So is there any no, argument no. there?
5: It, it, that, that's a completely misguided and a false argument based on ignorance. Um, the contract is for transportation. Uh, having a, a cheap ticket may mean that you don't get a fancy champagne before the flight. You don't get a nice meal during the flight. But the obligation to transport a passenger is not altered. That doesn't change.
1: So what do these passengers do then? For example, some of the passengers had to book $700 tickets on other airlines to get home. Do they have any way to seek that money back?
5: Absolutely. Soup will have to pay that money back, whether they want it or not. If they don't pay it voluntarily, if the passengers follow through with their rights, ultimately the sheriff is going to show up and either seize an aircraft of Soup or uh, seize money from their bank accounts because this, they cannot just get away with it. It's, it's, it's something as egregious as me showing up at your house, taking away your, your, your television, and claiming it's not. Soup it cannot do that. So, what I suggest passengers to do is first send a letter of demand to, uh, to Swoop, demand all the expenses they have incurred, plus a $1,000 for punitive damages, and as we expect Swoop is going to ignore it, then take the matter to the Small Claims Courts. Uh there for Willite and Willite. Uh, Maitoba has a very nice, good, uh, small place course procedures, and I don't think that's it. going to be away way to get this nonsense.
4: All right. Thank you very much for your insight, Canadian air passenger rights advocate, Gabor Lukacs. Thank you for
1: your time. Have you ever had to fight to get your money back? It's McGarry, McNabb, Mackling back next week. Jeff Braun is here. Cameron Poitras, Will Will Reimer sitting in for Jeff Fortier, and we're talking about the situation with Swoop Airlines as these Winnipeggers were left stranded in Kelowna and told that they can't get a flight back until the first week of September, so they'd be there for over a week after a truck hit the plane propeller and they couldn't fix it in time to get it off the ground. So we want to know... If you ever had to fight to get a refund, because Swoop isn't really compensating anybody for this. People are having to pay hundreds of dollars to get home on other airlines, or they can just wait it out and pay for their accommodations in Kelowna. So, Loren McNabb, why don't we start with you?
4: Oh, I have a few stories. and it depends. I was saying to Brett earlier, I think sometimes when you win on this situation, it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So if you're willing to phone a thousand times, yeah. you might get the refund. So I've also given up super early on my fights. And then sometimes I just decide to double down. But a couple summers ago, um, our engine in our vehicle was part of an engine recall. And they said, call in and find out if you're affected by this. And so I called in and uh, or my husband did rather. And they said, if you're not hearing the following things, you should be OK. So we take this car on a trip to Edmonton. And, like, 20 minutes outside of Edmonton, just all of a sudden, just, and we're like, oh, (laughs) and we're coming up the hill. And, oh, my gosh, like, we're not going to get to the hotel. We just need to get to the hotel. Bottom line, engine's conked out. Car never starts again. Take it to the dealership in Edmonton. No problem. We'll replace the engine. But you're responsible for getting yourself back to Winnipeg. Like, they'll give you a rental car, but they're not covering the rental car. They're not covering the hotels. They're not covering how you're going to get back. To Edmonton to pick up your vehicle that's now there. And so that's when I was like, well, this is a $1,000 easily by the time we get this all wrapped up. Yeah. And I called and emailed repeatedly. And they were actually pretty good. It was like the very first person was like, sorry, ma'am, we don't cover this. And I was like, get me to the next person. And sometimes the next person is just all you need to say, yeah, no, I, I hear you. That's ridiculous. We'll cover those costs.
1: Well, that's good. That's good. So they covered it for you
6: then for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was pretty pleased. Ron. Uh I was the same as Loren, The worst part is having to deal with the people. Right. And so I always weigh is the hassle worth what I'm going to get in return and I'll and the hassle just isn't worth it almost every time I just refuse to do it to the point where I I try not to put myself in a situation where it's going to be a thing. It's like, no, I'm not going to that because if it doesn't work out, I'm going to have to talk to these people all night, (laughs) and I'm not doing it. Uh, The worst one I ever did was was just with Amazon where they sent me a DVD box set, and it was all scrunched and crumpled. So I was like, well, this is no good. I want one that's not damaged, and I had to pay like $13 to ship it back to them for another— For a $30 DVD box hat and they made me pay the shipping and I wrote them an email saying, shouldn't you guys cover the return shipping? And never heard back, couldn't find a phone number on their website. So I was like, that really wasn't worth it. I was so mad. And it just – so I – mostly I just cave and I just refuse to do it.
4: Companies make it hard. Yeah. It's hard to find an actual number to reach someone.
6: Portris? Uh
0: Well, it depends if it's uh, like there's certain things I will let go and I'll say, OK, well, I'll take this one on the chin maybe. But sometimes it's like a it's a fight you have to you have to kind of take on. Um, one time I was uh, I was in a when I was living in Alberta, I had a, a basement suite and above me was this was this couple and I'd left. I came home for a couple of days. And we were sharing uh, Wi-Fi, and so I guess I don't know what they were streaming or anything like that. But uh, their, the bill came back, and instead of it being like forty bucks, it was like three hundred and fifty. So I called them back. I was here for about ten days, and I called the, the the company and I said, "Hey, listen, I don't know what happened. I wasn't here. I wasn't using any of this. I, you know, somebody must have got onto the uh, got onto my Wi-Fi and, um, and and kept using this. And I and I just I badgered them enough."
4: In one call, or did you have <laughs> to make was, several? It, it calls? was
0: it was it was two or three. Okay, and by that, and then they finally said, "All right, okay." And I kept getting, "Oh, call the manager, this and this and stuff." But eventually, they they ended up uh, covering the cost, hmm. so I didn't. I did. I actually just had to pay this the regular amount, which was just the forty dollars. So.
1: I remember. Do you remember the Sony store? There was a. I think we had one in the Polar Park Mall, uh, but there was also one at Regent and Lajeau This is when I, when I was a teenager. I think there was, I was, there was one in
6: Brandon as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I went into the Sony store Shut and I bought up. myself a little bookshelf <laughs> stereo. And I think it was like five hundred bucks, and I was super excited. I loved it. it sounded great, but. About a year and a half in, it stopped reading CDs properly. Whenever I put on a song, it would just skip its way through. It would kind of hop, skip, and jump through the song. So you'd get about 10 seconds of clean audio, and then it would start jumping. And it was obviously irritating. So I took it in to get it repaired, and they repaired it, and it worked for a day. And then I had to take it back. And I went through this, I think, three or four times, and I thought, this is ridiculous. And I finally just said, why don't you just give me a replacement? And then they offered a replacement, but it was this crappy little stereo that was not even in the same ballpark in terms of quality. And I said, that's the best you're going to offer? Like, I've come to you in good faith here to try to get this thing fixed. It's a great product. I want an equivalent product. And then they they gave me the argument, well... It's like a car, you drive it off the lot, it depreciates, so this is now a two-year-old, this is now a two-year-old stereo, so we're going to give you the, uh, a $200 stereo, and I thought, come on, you guys, you can do better than that. Eventually, they caved a little bit, They kind of, we kind of met halfway, but uh, I was forever, I've been forever angry at Sony, and good riddance to the Sony store.
4: That's why you get the warranty, hey? Yeah, you at the right. counter, do you want to buy a warranty? Are you telling me this thing can't even make it through the year? <laughs> like, you want to get the one-year warranty? Um... I feel like one year's acceptable for Will, this to survive.
7: Will, you got a quick story? Yeah, well, warranty doesn't even save you all the time I learned recently because I had an external hard drive I just used for the entire duration I was in school. It had everything, documents, videos, audio projects, everything I put together. Recently, I tried plugging it in, and it's just making this weird clicking sound. No- nothing's happening, so I'm like, that's not good, so I unplugged it right away called the company or I looked online first and they said if it's making this clicking sound it could be damaging something online so it could be losing the information that's in <laughs> this hard drive oh my god yeah so I called them and the person's like oh have you tried like plugging it in a different slot power have off tried- power yeah, on. exactly have you tried using it in a different computer I was like yes I've <laughs> done these things none of that's going to happen and I don't want to plug it back in um so they long story short they said um we can't we can't guarantee the information. Like, we'll send you a new thing. You can have a new thing. It's like $100. I was like, I don't want the new thing. I want the information. You got all my stuff on there. Um, so they said, finally, because they had told me to plug it back in, they would do it for me for free. But they said to get it started, the process started to save my information, seven or $800.
4: Come on. And they couldn't Whoa. even
7: guarantee the stuff. And I said, don't you think you should word that a little better? Like... Warranty is good, but not for... On the uh, device,
4: not on anything but not on for,
7: it? Yeah, it's like paper is good, but not the writing. So did you lose all your stuff? I don't know. I sent it away to them, and they offered to do it for free because they gave me some wrong information. Oh, my God. Shouldn't yeah. that just all be up in
4: some cloud somewhere? How Just many people floating have around?
7: They... Well, <laughs> now I know I should back it up in more than one
1: place. Back it up and back it up. Well, That's think... right. <laughs>
4: A lot of promises being made this election that won't necessarily happen, but they are providing some food for thought, pun intended here. This week, the Manitoba Green Party announced if elected, it would bring a tax on sweet drinks and eventually junk food. Now, the Greens have never won a seat in the Manitoba legislature, but they are running a record list of candidates. And some of their plans, like many of the others from the other parties, have people talking. So the idea is that a 20% tax on all beverages would drive down diabetes rates and then would raise about $20 million a year from that tax revenue. There's been a lot of data in recent months that has suggested a sugar tax could work. Our question this morning for our next guest, is it a good idea? Dr. Sylvain Charlebois is a professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University and joins us now. Good morning.
8: Good morning, guys. You're busy with elections in in Manitoba. Busy, Goodness.
4: busy with elections and promises. And this one, like I said, <laughs> probably probably not going to happen. But we've heard this repeatedly from various experts along the way. What what does the data actually show in terms of why people think this could work?
8: So uh, Mexico is actually a good case study for uh, for a uh, sugar tax. Uh, a few years ago, Mexico decided to slap a uh, sugar tax on. On soft drinks specifically and uh, concern because uh, diabetes is is an absolute issue uh, over in Mexico, so the government at the time thought it would be important to actually send a clear message and and discourage people from eating soda and they actually did uh, uh, sales drop I believe nine percent within a year uh, for soft drinks in Mexico. the problem is that uh, sugar consumption actually went up because people, instead of drinking, drinking sugar, they actually ate sugar uh, by buying chocolate bars and other products. So that the thing about, about taxes is that sometimes uh, you will either see people going, go elsewhere to seek sugar, or um, you actually may decide, you may end up punishing uh, the the less wealthy, uh, families with less means, unfortunately. It becomes essentially a regressive tax.
1: Now, Sylvain, we mentioned this on our Instagram story this morning, and the Manitoba Greens responded by saying that on top of the $20 million in tax revenue that it would generate, it would actually save an additional $16 million in health care because it would reduce diabetes. So is there any uh, merit to that, do you think?
8: So this is the the other issue with uh, with uh, taxing food of course uh, we've been hearing uh, that uh, from from several countries in the world uh the concept of of the syntax on food is is actually quite predominant'm uh, not sure if you guys knew, but Germany is thinking of uh, of adding a tax on beef. Uh, because uh, they feel or the government feels that, uh, that beef, uh, beef consumption is actually not very good for the environment. So taxing food uh, has come up uh, on several occasions. The problem is that as soon as you tax and, and that money goes to government, you absolutely have no idea what's going to happen. Going back to Mexico, uh, it was unclear as to what exactly happened to uh, the sugar tax on, on soda pop. Uh, now, at the time, promises were made saying we'll actually invest more in healthcare, making sure, uh, or pre- preventive medicine. But that never happened because other priorities uh, came up. And so uh, a government can actually promise anything during an election, but uh, it, it boils down to what actually happens once the tax is, uh, is implemented. And, and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. You use the
4: Mexico research as an example. I know uh, University of Waterloo just recently looked at the buying behavior of some 3,500 people when it came to drink and and snacks. And they found that it might reduce consumption. So does it depend on the population that you're talking about or where it might be happening? Or overall, in your opinion, would this not work in terms of reducing our sugar intake?
8: I don't think there's any doubt that it would reduce uh, the consumption or whatever product you're taxing, for sure. I mean, price is uh, is the number one factor when it comes to uh, making decisions uh, in eating. That's really a fact. So if you slap a tax of, I don't know, 10% or 15% on, on whatever product you want to tax, you're likely going to discourage a, a, a significant group of consumers uh, from buying that product. However, uh, you... It's after that you'll see you may actually see people looking elsewhere for that to, to get their sugar fixed, or they uh, they may end up actually uh getting uh, more into trouble you you're It's hard to fix anything where you're taxing uh food in particular because there are so many substitutes out there i mean the average grocery store has over forty thousand products. But is there not an uh,
4: argument to be made, uh, Dr. Charlebois, that, you know, even say if we look at taxes on tobacco or alcohol, it might not reduce the consumptions of those items, but at the very least, tax revenue is going back into the health care system of which those contribute to health problems?
8: And what do you do with people with diabetes? They need sugar. So are you going to actually make an exception to those people? Because then it would actually be seen as almost a discriminatory tax. Because they actually need sugar. If someone actually is, a, is, in, is in crisis and needs a chocolate bar, uh, they're going to be taxed on that. So you have to think about all these alternatives and situations. Food is, is a sensitive issue. As soon as you start taxing, I don't have any problems taxing at the restaurant because you get a service for it with, with the food. But in a grocery store, it's, it's a delicate situation.
1: Sylvain Charlebois, a professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sylvain, thank you as always, sir. My pleasure. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling back next week. Thank you very much for joining us today. Back to school, top of mind. How stressed are you right now about that, Loren? Or are you excited?
4: Uh, oh, I-, I waffle. I'm. You know what? I don't know. I sent my husband out to do the back-to-school shopping this week, and I haven't checked to see if the list is complete. He says it is, so I guess I'll be stressed if it's not, but... Uh,
1: Gotta double-check his work?
4: Well, no, I'm the same way. You think you've got it and you return home and there's that one thing, like like we couldn't find a ruler, a ruler this year, and it's like, where are the rulers? Where do they go? Last year we couldn't find loose leaf What paper. And I'm walking around the stores like, and I of course last week I left it, or last year I left it a little late, but... I was like, is the world out of loose leaf? This should be like the number one staple for kids. It was funny because my my son actually this year, about three weeks ago, comes in through the store and says, we're shopping for groceries. And he's like, loose leaf. Like he remembered. And he's holding these packages. Really? So we bought them right away just in case it became a thing. So semi-stressed. Okay. Not just for my kids, but myself in terms of I feel that pressure this time of year to kind of. Get back into it. Be more organized. Have more routines.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. You know, you, we've talked about getting the kids into a re- renewed sort of sleep schedule for school, and then you got to start thinking about meal planning because making lunches is kind of a pain and getting organized. It's just, it's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm glad I don't have to think about, quite frankly.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you never make a lunch. I don't even know if I've ever seen you eat here.
1: Rarely, I'll bring like a banana to work. Mm. Yeah, I don't have, I don't know, I don't have much of an appetite in the morning. And then that just, eventually, like right now my stomach is grumbling, and then I just kind of power through it, it. and then I wait until I get home and often end up overeating. Like yesterday I had a salad and I felt really proud of that, and then I ate a bag of Doritos because I was still hungry. Mm, They
4: they canceled each other out. I
1: know. It works. Yeah, it doesn't. I feel guilty and ashamed. But we were talking yesterday about getting organized, not just for back to school, but in general... And I'm just wondering if uh, you've given any of that some thought, Loren, or what 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 is on For your sure. mind. For sure.
4: So we're looking to get a guest guest on later this morning on some other top apps that you can use. We talk a lot about technology and how we can sync our calendars. And because in this day and age, is there really a need to have you know the whiteboard? at the front entrance like I do, or your magnets for your fridge to stick notes on. Can we do better when it comes to just the phones we have and sort of syncing up our lives? And so we're hoping to get to that discussion later in the show. But in the meantime, I've done a lot of reading on this, uh, all sorts of magazines from Today's Parent to Good Housekeeping to Pinterest. A lot of people have key tips that help them when it gets time gets to this time of year. Three of the takeaways are, one, decide what your priorities are. So if you want your kid to be better At school, they make your homework the priority this time of year. If it's about sleep because they're so sleep-deprived by the end of summer, which that's the case, start working on a routine to get them back into a schedule. And again, this is not something I'm doing yet. These are things I'm working towards. So if anyone's like, oh, stop preaching to me, I'm not. I've just done – I know how many moms and dads feel like, oh, boy, like I'm going to be in for it come next Wednesday when we're not sleeping and we're not organized. So have a routine. Stick to it. Start small is one thing. So I've tried to think of one thing I want to accomplish, you know, as I head towards Wednesday. And for me, that would be making sure that at least the start to the day is semi-organized, that the lunches are done the night before, that the bags are packed, that the kids know what they are going to wear. Because as I was saying yesterday, that first 20 minutes can sometimes be just pure hell. And then on the other end, this is a tip just for anyone, whether you're a mom or dad, and Brent, or Brett, you'll like this one. You mentioned you have how many unread emails?
1: Uh, 50. Hang on. I'll give you the exact total. It is 55,677. I am the worst.
4: Okay. So this is, comes from a uh, expert at Clear Concepts, and she writes us to say that one of the big tips is that you spend, on average, about eighty hours a year rereading emails that you didn't get to initially. <laughs> really? Eighty yeah. hours, like two work weeks, <laughs> two work weeks rereading emails that you didn't get a chance to get to. And so, the suggestion from uh, this organizational expert is that you take a couple extra minutes a day to go through those. Ideally, you you can deal with them. Right off the hop, but that's not always the case. And so the goal would be to try to find a way to get through those emails and to find a plan that allows it to be more succinct so that you aren't wasting time. Later, going back to some of the stuff you could have dealt with in the first place.
1: Well, and here's here's the reason on, on the email, okay? And I'll just give you an example of what I'm looking at right now in my inbox. We get a ton of emails here. We get our email addresses get sort of attached to a whole bunch of distribution lists. And most of the emails in my inbox, probably I could just delete and not even think about it. Like there's something here for, I've got three emails back to back to back, 5.57 a.m., 5.58, and then another one at 5.58. Partners value split coin. Corp announces 2019 semi-annual results. I'm sure this is interesting to someone. Mm -hmm. Do you have stock
4: in that company or something? Right. Delete
1: that. Not, but the problem is when I see those emails, especially coming at 5.58 when we're just getting ready to come on, if I see an email that isn't immediately important, I just push it aside because even taking a second to delete it takes me out of whatever I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like I, I, I'm very easily distracted, and I, so if I'm focused on something and something it can cause a distraction, I just ignore it. But then by the time we're done at 10 o'clock, I'm too tired to go back. So my intention of pushing it away to deal with it later, it just ends up being this thing that piles up, and uh, hence the 55,000 emails. So <laughs> I do need to follow your tips, Loren, I really do need to create a system, just that's my one thing. But all that stuff you got to deal with, that 20 minutes of hell in the morning, I wish you Godspeed.
4: Well, one more tip from Clear Concepts came in the form of this, which should be good news for us. Your most productive two hours are after waking up. So try not to schedule meetings before lunch. We're, we're working from 4 a.m. to 9. But try your best to get your, your key things done in the morning. So am I going to stick to any of these? Probably Ask not. me in 10 days' time.
1: We figured we would talk. Turn to one of our experts who is supremely organized. At least we suspect she is. We hope she is. Susie Urgevec Parker with Sparker Strategy. Their website is SparkerStrategy.ca. Sparker Strategy Group. Susie, good morning to you. Good morning. So we wanted to talk specifically with you about apps because one of our listeners the other day suggested an app. What was it Time Tree? Time Lauren? Tree. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that app, Susie? I have
9: not. Tell me what
1: that was all about. Well, we understand that it was uh, it was it was a sort of a calendar link. So if okay. so if you and your your spouse or your partner or whatever, uh, you, you 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 might you know how you like you oh, tell perfect. somebody yes. you tell them, hey, okay, I've got this on Monday, I've got this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, right. and inevitably by Wednesday, one of you is going to forget what <laughs> the other person told you, and then so That's then then you, then you then you have the fight. Well, I told you I've got this on Wednesday. Well, I can't remember everything. So apparently you plug in into this app and then whatever I put in the app, the other person can see on their end.
9: That's right, yeah. And there's a number of different apps that uh, help with family organization just like that. And TimeTree, much like the one that we use probably, which is Cozy Family Organizer, probably has um, color-coded profiles for each of your family members. So if your kids have devices, if they have iPods, if they have their own phones, you can add them to these calendars. They can plug in their sports schedules, their school schedules, your work trips, all those kind of things, even family events, and get everyone literally on the same page.
4: Does it work with an alert or the sense it of does. Like, like the calendar, if I have a meeting coming up and it sends me an email notification, would this do the same thing?
9: That's correct. So every week, the one that we use, the Cozy Family Organizer, sends a weekly review of what your week looks like. And then also you can set uh, reminders for each individual activity that will let you know when it's coming up. And uh, you can also sync it with your iCal or your Google Calendar.
4: One of the things I do appreciate about this day and age is the apps that can help you stay on top of the things that your kids are in or that you're in. Uh, One of the things that's used often in our world in terms of their sports activities is Team Snap, And it's when coaches go in and they put in the lists of the kids who are on the team, what the next practice is, what the next game is, and it updates you with an alert as well. Say if a game is added to the schedule or if a game has been canceled. So. I think that's great, but then you have that app for sports, another app for a calendar, your email app for work. Is there a way to sync these up better so that we're not, you know, tapping into different apps four different times uh, in a single hour?
9: So really what it is about is the push notification. So each of these apps, will you can authorize push notifications from the apps and uh, you can set them to a designated email if you'd like. So if you never want to check that email address or get you know, bombarded with that kind of information, that's okay. Set it to a specific folder uh, in your email, and it will go right there. But the push notifications are key, I think, because they text you and let you know with a pop-up notification that, oh, this game's coming up in an hour. Are you there? Are you ready? Kind of thing.
1: Well, and then the key is just being able to pay attention to your push notifications, because I... I don't know, uh, I can't speak for anybody else, but I get, like, not just annoyed, but I get serious anxiety if I get too many text or push notifications for things. Like, I have a whole bunch of apps disabled for notifications, uh, but then that potentially leaves me out of the loop on something. So it's about finding a balance, I guess, as well as to how much tech you're willing to put up with.
9: You know, it really is. And sometimes it's about, you know, like I said, you can sync calendars between iCal and your Google Calendar. And if you have Outlook at work, you can sync those two. But I really think sometimes the hard written way, like on a sheet of paper on the fridge, still really helps people keep organized, even if it's in your device that's going with you everywhere. Just that one, that one glance that you get every time you walk by the fridge, every time you're in the kitchen or that common room in the family that keeps people on the same page.
4: I do find that that's helpful sometimes in the sense of, you know, my son needs to wear an EpiPen to school and I will put a giant sign on the door like EpiPen exclamation part, you know, point asterisk, because obviously he's not getting a push notification at six years old. But, you know, Susie, right. I, I stress out uh, a mom of two. You're a mom of three this time yes. of year. Do you work hard to get them back into a routine ahead of time? Like you're an organized person. You gave me some tips a few years ago about this. So what, what's your one go to thing that you try to do this time of year?
9: Okay, so first of all, I say don't beat yourself up if you feel that other people are more organized than you. We're all doing the best that we can, so please don't feel bad about that. I say to parents all the time, we're all doing the best that we can. Now, I have been saying to my kids that we're going to be starting bedtimes earlier for the last two weeks. Do you think that's started yet? No, it has not. So my littlest one, who is nine and is a total night owl, is going to be quite the nightmare next week when she has to get up for school, even though we've been cutting the time back by 15 minutes you know, uh, every these last two weeks, and she's still just not in that school mode. So it's going to be a painful week for all of us, I think, next week. Be gentle with yourselves, be gentle with your little ones, and know that we'll get into that groove eventually.
4: Setting the clock back 15 minutes is a great idea, but I think you also make a good point. Still not going to go as easy as you'd like it to, no matter how well prepared.
9: You know what? It's not. And and like I say, don't beat yourself up over that. I know so many parents feel stress and anxiety, especially if you're working and especially if you're getting kids to school this first week. It's a gong show. Okay, let's just all admit that right off the top. It's a gong show. And let's just be kind to each other and be supportive as much as we can.
1: So Cozy Family Organizer is one that you use. Uh, What about apps? Because parents inevitably end up being teachers at home too right the kids come home with homework and they're they're asking mom and dad can you help me with my geometry or my trigonometry and i would be i wouldn't have a clue where to start with that are there do you know of any apps where we can turn yeah. to, to for tips
9: there's some great apps so a couple of years ago i came upon this really cool app called photomath and it's literally like it sounds you take a picture of the math problem and Somebody who's a math person will find that problem and help you solve it. And there are other problems that are similar to it that you can look up and get solutions to. Now, there's also a more powerful app that I discovered this year called Archimedes Calculator, which is great for complex math. So if, you're, if you have high school students or even early university students, you know, getting that first year calculus under the belt, this is a fantastic app that has a bunch of preloaded templates into it and won't just solve the problem for you, but will show you how to solve the problem. So it walks you
4: right through it. So it's it's the same scenario, and this happened to us, and, and my son was only in grade three last year where he came home and you have to show the work, and I thought, oh, if I could just sit in on 10 minutes of a session with the teacher, I'd have a better understanding of how he's being instructed to do this. So it walks you through the steps.
0: Correct.
9: Obviously Correct. on a more you know, advanced got-
4: stage than subtraction, but...
9: <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. So as as it gets more complex, there's more steps, right? So yeah, it does walk you through that and gives you the um the logic behind the solution, for sure. And that all of these apps are available on iOS and Android, for sure.
1: Right on. And again, that's is it it's cozy? Is that spelled C O Z I?
9: That's correct. Yeah, and Archimedes is Exactly like it sounds. <laughs> 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 Comedies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you can find this. I'm going to be posting these links later, too. So I'll send you the link and uh, you guys can share it for sure. Now, one of the ones that I've loved for years and was um, taken off the market because it was bought by a competitor was EasyBib. So if you have students who are writing essays, writing papers, one of the most tough parts of that is writing the bibliography. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Is it supposed to be AP style? Is it going to be Chicago style? And even learning those, you know, differentiations can be challenging for a young student. So EasyBib was amazing. You could scan the ISBN code and get the bibliography basically preloaded for you, but then it disappears. So I did some research this week, and I found one that I think solves the problem, and it's called C. And again, sounds exactly like it sounds. And it was built by a developer who loved Easy Bib, and was so sad to see it go that he built his own version. And so this version, available on iOS and Android as well, will be super helpful for any of those students that are entering that age of school where they have to start writing papers, have to start writing essays, and need some help and some guidance on that bibliography.
4: Wow. I, you've, you've taken me back to a time where I completely forgot that that was a thing that one had to do.
9: Yes, and it will help you for citations for journals, for magazines, even websites, and or other internet content. So it's very relevant to what students are using these days.
1: All right. Susie Erjavec-Parker with Sparker Strategy Group. The website is sparkerstrategy.com. And you can also follow her on social media. As she said, she's going to be posting those links. So Susie, we appreciate the time. As always, thank you very much.
9: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And again, it's SparkOfStrategy.ca. Pardon me. <laughs> With the Winnipeggers stuck in Kelowna for days after Swoop cancelled their flight, do horror stories like this about low-cost airlines deter you from using them? Yes, I'll never use them. Yes, this gives me pause. Or no, I love them you can cast your vote at cjob.com. And we got a bunch of text messages on that uh, this morning, and we'll get to those in a moment. But before that, Loren, what are we doing at 9.05?
4: Well, we've been talking about back-to-school, back-to-school organizational tips, and so um, we have a guest joining us just after 9. She's a mom, but she's also really well-beefed in the technology world, which I'm not. I use my phone for very basic things. And this idea that in this technology world, why are we not using our phones more to sync up our lives together? So when my husband and I have our calendars together, or even your kids, if your kids eventually get phones when they're teenagers, what are the apps that are out there that might help you be reminders, help you become better organized, rather than just me putting it in the back of my mind. And then, as you know, Brett, completely forgetting what was just said to me 27 seconds later.
1: So I'm looking forward to that conversation because that's going to be helpful, no doubt for sure. Maybe it's something that can also help you know, us as mm-hmm. colleagues, right? Uh, because rather than having to text each other all the time, what we, can we do this? Can we do that? If we sure. Could just look at the Our app. calendars
4: are different things that we could be doing rather than having to constantly update each other with what's the latest,
1: right? Yeah, because I don't want to talk to you after No, I'm
4: o'clock. done. Like, I'm yeah. done. Get out of oh, here. God, Brett, text.
1: So we had a conversation about Swoop this morning, a couple of conversations. These passengers stuck in British Columbia after their flight was canceled on Monday. Some of them told they won't be able to get back for up to 11 days. And we had a chat at 6.45 about the fights that we have had trying to get a refund. Before we get some of the texts on that, uh, here's a text message that has been sort of a common theme from many of our listeners this morning. I am not advocating people being left stranded. However, people are missing the point that Swoop is a low-cost airline. This means they likely do not have replacement planes, uh, and people need to be aware of this when booking with a low-cost airline. Gabor Lukacs, the uh, passenger rights advocate, said, no, that's that's not the case. They, but he if,
4: basically used the word ignorant for one of the comments, if you travel cheap, expect this sort of cheap result. And he said, no, that's not the case. They have a contract.
1: Yeah. So they, 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 they if they want to get into business to transport people to and fro across the country, then they need, need to be prepared to either get those people on their own aircraft or put them up on another aircraft. And that was the point. And Swoop, he said it's quite clearly laid out in the regulations. If they can't get get them there on their own plane, they got to put them on another one.
4: We're going to be talking about this throughout the day because it's sounding like now, based on what some of our listeners are saying, that this incident on this Kelowna to Winnipeg flight isn't an isolated one. A listener just telling us this morning that his daughter and her partner were flying out of Winnipeg, so going the opposite way, Winnipeg to Abbotsford on Monday, an hour before takeoff, they're... They were told their flight was canceled and rescheduled for September 6th, oh which is next Friday. So like the passengers in this other situation, they paid $700 per ticket plus taxes in order to get back to their B.C. home. Uh, Sweep, Swoop would not answer calls, according <laughs> to this person. And they were told the man- mechanical problem in this flight's case was a leaky tire. So we've got more questions out for Swoop, which, again, is technically owned by WestJet, but is considered its own Anthony about what might be a bigger issue going on out there with planes or mechanical problems or other. But it's certainly going to get people pause this morning because um, it's really impacted a lot of lives.
1: Now, we have a text here regarding fighting for a refund. This one from Kathy, and it has to do with a furniture store. I won't name the store, but the text reads, oh. My parents bought a table and four chairs. Only three chairs were delivered. One broke in transit My mom documented one missing chair on the invoice. Long story short, nine months later, they finally picked up the table and chairs. The set had been discontinued at no charge and a full refund. I had to fight for that. They wanted to charge them for a pickup and a 20% restocking fee. The store manager was horrible. Quote, it's my job to sell you furniture. It's not my job to help you with delivery issues. That's disgusting. And that actually reminds me of a moving story where I kind of got in a fight with a moving company. So I moved in, this was back in 2010-ish, I think, 2009 maybe, moved into an apartment in sort of a duplex home in the West End. And the staircase was a little tight, and these guys who helped us move, a couple of young guys, they they got to our apartment late because Mm -hmm. the previous move that they had done in the day was way bigger than they were told. Like when they, the move was booked, I guess, you're supposed to provide an estimate of how much s- junk you have to move. They got there and it, they had way more stuff than they were expecting. So they were a couple hours late with us. So like they're not, they're wrapping up the move at, fr- it's like 9.30 on a Friday night. So I get it. They're mm-hmm. young guys. They want to go out drinking. And when they looked at the staircase, they just, they didn't even try to get our couch up. They said, this isn't going to work. It's not going to fit. And I, I so I'm left with well what do I do? To, uh, I, so I just said what do you what do you what do you expect me to do? Well, we can bring it back to our warehouse and store it there for now. They didn't charge me for that. We ended up going to get it ourselves, and we got it in the apartment. So I probably should have pushed for some sort of compensation for that. But then the next time I used a moving company, they quoted us one thing, uh, but we were so tired at the end of the day and just paid what they told us on the spot. And we later realized that it was like $150 more than mm-hmm. they quoted us. So we called them to try to figure out what was going on. The guy was super adversarial. And at one point he was just yelling at me and screaming at me. And I said, listen, man, I don't really know you like your tone. And I think maybe I should come down there. And I understand why he would take that as a threat. Right. Cause he immediately, but he immediately blew up and started screaming at me, swearing at me. You want to come fight me? I'll kill you. And I said, no, dude, I just meant come talk to you face-to-face. What, What's wrong with you? So, uh, I again, I don't want to name the company, but I have told all my friends never to use <laughs> this particular moving company. And I'll be happy to tell you privately if you want to text me, 204-780-6868.
4: Well, you have those moments when you're out in the public or you meet somebody and you think, aha, that's a woman I want to hear of, hear from. And that was the moment last night at this forum on mental health and addictions and substance abuse that took place uh, with the candidates from the four major parties. I heard from a woman named Jan whose daughter uh, has been in a mental health crisis, I think is fair to put, in the last couple of years. And we speak lots about the challenges of accessing the ERs for our physical needs and what may be going on out there with the transformation and how that's impacting things positively or negatively. Well, I'd like to introduce you to Jan this morning so we can hear her story and her struggles that I think so many Manitobans can relate to. First of all, good morning, Jan. Thank you for being here. Good morning.
10: Thanks for having me.
4: Tell us about this journey of the past couple of years. I know it's Not easy to put into 30 seconds, but your daughter's been looking for help and you haven't been able to find
10: it until late. Yeah, Um, it's been about a 12-year stretch, I would say, um, in terms of my daughter uh, dealing with issues. Um, But the last two years have been really um, the focus of quite a lot of stress in the the home. Um, I was looking to try and get her into the hospital at HSC and... um, in April and May, it was crisis situation where I had police at the house regularly. Um, Life or death for her? Uh, pretty serious, you know, in terms of just being able to handle it um, and not being able to always. I missed like 11 days of work during those two months um, because I had to stay home. I had no choice. Um, so through the help of um, a couple of people, may I mention uh, mm-hmm. names? Yeah, Dr. John Gerard, a Liberal candidate in River Heights. Um, he is amazing and helped me um, move ahead, uh, contact the right people, and finally get her into the hospital in May. And she was held for uh, was there was there for twenty five days, and that's what we needed and a new new diagnosis. And she's doing fairly well right now.
4: For our listeners' purposes, we're not naming Jan's last name, and we're mm-hmm. not going to name her daughter just to protect her identity because she's working uh, through some things and and doing better. Yes, now. yes. But what, let's talk about this because we. We hear all the time about how important it is to get quick, speedy response for anything from a broken limb to a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And here you're telling me your daughter goes into an ER multiple times? Yes. And yeah. what was the response in the sense of, well, was there no psychiatrist, no bed? What was the issue?
10: The general, for people that don't realize what it's like to go to, for example, I'll use health sciences. these staff are unbelievably helpful. Um, when we first went in, uh, the main first crisis was in February, um, we were there for 16 hours. What happens generally is um, for psych- anything psychiatric, you have to wait for the psychiatric team to come down. Um, it generally happens later, w- much later in the day. So we went in um, at 4 o'clock in the morning um, in February and were seen at about 7 o'clock that night. Um, during that time, it's difficult to... You have to sit there, and you just have to wait. And I don't think um, most people who go to ER go there for physical, uh, you know, illness or whatever um, are seen, you know, within a matter of whatever. In those uh, that day, day it was pretty late. Um, eight hour wait, waits, etc. Um, for anything psychiatric, you wait until the team from uh, the general psychiatric ward is able to come down to see, um, you know, your loved one. And um, that's the general take on anything uh, having to do with mental illness.
1: So that's a long time to wait. That's 15 hours. Mm -hmm. What happened while you were waiting? Did anything... How how was she?
10: um, By that time, we had talked to a doctor, just a GP, general practitioner, ER doctor. Um, We're told it was going to be a long wait. Um, We actually pretty much sat there and... Watched everything around us, and it was um, very, very difficult because um, there's nothing else. I mean, you just have to wait. There's nothing you can do. I would go and check every now and then, check in with um, you know nurses, etc. They would you know maybe do uh, a check on her, but um, generally you just sit. We were in in the sort of back area, and um, there are like reclining chairs, and there's no, there's absolutely no. Um, Privacy whatsoever. It's curtains around you, and then you hear everything that's going on in with everybody beside you.
4: You can talk about, and you could say that okay, this is an example of people within the healthcare system not prioritizing not prioritizing mental health issues the same way they do physical. Absolutely, but yeah. I, I don't know if it's, if that's the staff that's not prioritizing it, or the fact that there isn't enough staff to address the situation anyway. One of the questions Jan had last night for the candidates was how many psych
10: beds are there in HSC to deal with this? And the answer was? Well, I asked about, I asked Cameron Friesen, who is our health minister, uh, if he could give me a number on the number of psych beds that have been added since they took office. So it would be from May 2016 till present. And was completely shocked with the answer that there were six psych health beds added now he that's, did he did
4: add that yeah. that includes a whole host of staff. It's not just about one bed that there are other staff that go to that component, but there's a bigger issue at play here in the sense of there was a number of beds before they have added six, so that's improvement. but the wait list for those beds is fifteen oh. hours in that day
10: uh you don't even know if you're going to get get in actually to be quite honest you have to you have to have uh, the team assess your loved one and then decide whether or not um, he or she is considered to be an access one patient, which means you might get a bed, um, or you know possibly put in one of the... They have a, an area that's sort of temporary that they can place a person. But most times, um, uh, you're usually released. Um, I We were there three times. So the first two times, uh, we did not stay. We were released by the next day. And... Um, third time, uh, it ended up with the help of uh, of Dr. Gerard, etc., that we were able to um, have her stay in. I also contacted Riel Cluche as well as uh, the head of the WRHA, mm-hmm, and Ronan Seagrave, who is the uh, CEO of Health Sciences. I, um, I actually sent them text messages and said, you've got to help. Uh, otherwise, I'm... I'm going back to the press and I'm going back to the news because this cannot continue.
1: Are you satisfied with what you saw and heard yesterday?
10: Uh, it was actually very enlightening. Um, I found the candidates pretty, you know, pretty open about what they uh, their strategies. Um, to be quite honest, I'm not impressed with the answers necessarily um, from a few of the candidates in that. I don't think they understand mental health. I don't think they understand the crisis that families are in. And it not only affects the person who's ill, but the whole family is affected. So you're basically adding trauma and stress onto a family We've it's heard, difficult.
4: We've heard stories multiple times about, you know, people who are sent to an ER say with what they thought was a heart attack and they get sent home and then mm-hmm. they have that heart attack and then there's an inquiry and there's all the things that come out of that and, and changes to the process. We've also heard people go to the ER for help with their mental health issues, be released, be left out of the process, and it ends up in the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. which is suicide quickly. Yeah. Um, now she's she's doing okay, but mm-hmm. there's still an issue with psychiatrist, a massive shortage.
10: Yeah, generally um I belong to a peer support group through Canadian Mental Health. Um, if you need a new if you need a psychiatrist in order to get a diagnosis, you normally will wait. Your GP will refer you. Um the wait list can be anywhere from three, six months before you even get a psychiatrist and you don't really have any choice. It's normally you'd want somebody who you're your loved one connects with but you don't have any choice in that matter right now it seems like we are we have a shortage of psychiatrists in manitoba for sure
4: they acknowledged that the last night no Mm -hmm. easy fix for it we're with dan mom of a daughter who's now in recovery with her mental health issue but lots of issues to discuss here thank you for your time jen thanks for having me
1: Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at gmacwpg, that's G-M-A-C-K, W-P-G. I am at brett mcgarry b-r-e-t-t-m-e-g-a-r-r-y and loren on twitter is at mcnab on global and on instagram at mcnab on c-j-o-b talk soon